Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, chronicling the coming of Christ the King. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune this September the 2nd, 2017. It is an honor and a privilege to be with you tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Let us consider some things. In the wake of the devastation caused by Hurricane Harvey, is coming down the barrel. Let us consider that as the Gulf Coast continues to reel from the mighty impacts of Hurricane Harvey, experts are bracing themselves for another tropical threat is gathering strength out in the Atlantic, namely Hurricane Irma. Irma strengthened into a Category 3 hurricane Thursday afternoon, which has since weakened to Category 2 hurricane, but restrengthening as expected. There is potential for Irma to ramp up even more powerful hurricane this weekend, according to AccuWeather hurricane experts. Irma is expected to reach Category 5 next week. American models make it to the Carolinas by Sunday, September the 10th. The European models have it going to Cuba and possibly threatening South Florida. It's just too early to tell. Ladies and gentlemen, we could very have an impact with this hurricane on 9-11. Record temperatures shattered in San Francisco Friday as temperatures reached 115 degrees. It was released this week that Turkey has been hit by 28,000 earthquakes during the first eight months of 2017. It doesn't matter which way you look, ladies and gentlemen. Things, and I mean everything, is ramping up. There are events and rumors of events all over the Earth's switchboard. I suggest you get your trays into the upright position, ladies and gentlemen, and fasten your seatbelts. Because at this point, it doesn't matter what we do if we choose to go into the headwind or not. Wherever we're going, it's going to be a real bumpy ride. I think soon and very soon we're going to hear the start gun go off a whole lot sooner than any of us think. Why, you're going to pull those pistols and whistle Dixie. Let's ride.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, this week's edition of the End Time Tribune. Clinton, why don't you jump right on in here and uh, let us know how your week has went and uh, how things have been progressing on your side of the news issue. Yeah, I think uh, I think I'm sharing the sentiment of uh, most of Americans out there this week is it's been a roller coaster of up and downs and sideways and every which way that you can think of. Um, and I mean that's just a statement of the news and and uh, what's going on with the hurricanes and and the flooding everywhere and the drastic heat and it's it's just it's getting crazy. Um, and and then that's just uh, affecting everyone's personal life as well. So it's just. You know, just the up and down, sideways, and every which way in between. A contortion effect, I would think, is the way it should be described for this week. Brian, uh, jump on here. What have you been looking at this week, and uh, how's your week went? Well, it's been a mix of all sorts of things with so many different developments happening, and we had a mega mega one that was just announced this morning that is going to have some severe ramifications on the United States economy in a huge way. So that one caught me a little bit by storm and an announcement from last week sort of uh, gave the indication things may be heading that way. So we'll cover that when we get to my uh, portion of it. Very good. Thanks for some insight about what's going to come during your portion. Well, Clinton, get right in the saddle, and uh, let's get this show on the road. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, just watching the news this week, uh, everyone is staring at Houston and, and South Texas and what's going on with Hurricane Harvey and how it hit and then circle back and hit Louisiana and the entire city of Houston is underwater, and it's just it's horrific to watch and to see. I mean, we, we've seen incredible stories, you know, about, you know, pizza companies, you know, having people deliver pizzas to people trapped or, you know, employees of uh, certain stores, you know, sending their personal boats out to rescue people or, or people coming in to, to, you know, try to grab as many survivors as they can. And, and so we've seen this, this spirit of America, which makes America great uh, come out. Um, but it's also, devastating. I mean, Houston is one of the largest cities in, in the United States and it's underwater um, and it's it's destroyed to the, the extent that New Orleans was destroyed in Katrina. And what, what people you need to realize is the ramifications of that. I mean, people's homes and all their possessions are gone. And this, this is kind of where it gets scary for those people um, because, I mean, there, there's reports, I mean, this is out of USA Today where 80% of, of people don't have flood insurance. So they don't have a way to pay for the, the flooding that's happening. I mean, most insurance policies, they don't include flooding. And, and there's a reason for that because the high expense of it. Um, and so if you have a, just a normal homeowner's, homeowner's policy, it's not going to be covered. So you have to go through and, and buy it from uh, the, the federally run national flood insurance program. And, and, for people in the floodplains, this is required. They they have to purchase this, or well, they're told that they have to purchase it. Where some people are complaining that the premiums are so high that they can't afford it, you know, so they weren't able to purchase this. Um, 
the the other side of it is it's only required in areas where it's known to flood, which a large portion of what's happening in in Houston, th those houses are outside of that area. So they're not in an area that is required to have flood insurance. I mean, they're anticipating that the flood damage for this is going to be over $35 billion. And that's just a guess from the first couple of days. So anytime you have an estimate like that, you know it's going to go up and probably go up drastically from that point. But it's still $35 billion. Um, and the, the crazy thing is people keep comparing it to Katrina that happened in 2005 in, in New Orleans and, and what's happening now. Well, from an insurance standpoint, it was devastating for the insurance companies. It was devastating for the people. But about 50% of the people that were in uh, New Orleans had flood coverage. The, the problem is in, in Texas, only about 20% have flood coverage. So they, they don't really know what they're going to do. They don't know how it's going to happen. I mean, this is this equates to just the people outside of the, the flood area. It's 1.2 million properties. So 1.2 million houses or businesses are destroyed or, or damaged from this flood. So, I mean, this is a, a catastrophe on a scale that, that we've never, never seen. Um, and these people that don't have flood insurance, I mean, what, what are they going to be able to do? They have to buy it from the federal flood insurance program. If they don't, then they have to either take out a, a mortgage on their house that is flooded underwater that, you know, the bank may give them, a, a, you know, a second mortgage or a home equity loan if they even consider there's any equity in the house now. I mean, you know, so but you're still taking out a loan. You're still paying interest. You're still paying on this recovery, you know, um, and if you don't have that ability, then you have to, you know, try to get, you know, federal disaster relief benefits, which is still a, a low interest loan. So you still are taking out money to fix your house if it's salvageable, which we, we don't know. I mean, the, this 1.2 million is just outside of the flood area. I mean, that doesn't include all of the, the houses inside of the flood area. So the extent of this is going to be disastrous. Now, the other extent of it is, you know, we mentioned the, the, the federal flood insurance program. Well, there's a problem with this program. It's already 25, <laughs> uh, $25 billion in debt already, this program is. And we're talking about that this is going to, you know, cost, what is it, $38 billion? And they're anticipating that out of this, you know, just this, this flood insurance program, they're anticipating about six and a half billion to nine and a half billion is going to be taking out of this program. So you, you can do the math, say it's 10 billion. Well, 35 billion. So you have 25 billion that's not going to be covered by this, this program. And they're saying only about 500 million is covered by insurance. So you still have, you know, $25 billion worth of losses that are not covered by any kind of insurance whatsoever. 25 billion. Okay. Now, the problem is this 10 billion or six and a half to nine and a half billion that they're anticipating to come out of this federal fund, they only have access, cash and available credit to 7.5 billion. So this Harvey is going to bankrupt this program. It's going to bankrupt the federal flood insurance program. It's, it's, there's no way they can fund it. And that's why Trump actually came out today saying that he is pushing to try to get funding for almost 8 billion 
to help out with the victims in, in Harvey. Well, they, he has to do this because the program that's designed to help it is already $25 billion in debt and it's going to be bankrupt from Harvey. So he has to get this pushed through. And then we have Irma heading our way as well, who has... I mean, it's in, it's very far out of the ocean right now, but it's also a hurricane, and it's going to strengthen as it gets into the warmer waters. And if it goes in the Gulf, I mean, we could have another Category 5 hit the United States, which what is these insurance companies going to do? What are the flood protection programs going to do when they're already bankrupt from one storm and then they get hit with another one? I mean, they're anticipating that there's a strong possibility, at least from the, the American projections, that this Irma, Hurricane Irma hits South Carolina. The European estimates say that it goes and hits, you know, uh, Cuba, Haiti, and, and kind of maybe the southern port of Florida. Either way, the disaster from the flooding is what we're worried about. The disaster from the winds is what we're worried about. And it's, it's, it's headed our way. So we have a major issue ahead of us on the amount of money that's going to be needed to fix Texas, fix Houston. The only other option that we have is, well, you know, we got to approve more, which is in, in, you know, we haven't even approved a budget for 2018. So we, we have to do that before the end of September or October 1st, the government has no money to pay its bills. And that means, you know, pay everyone's salary. So they have to, Put this in there now. Now Trump is talking about you know the 1.6 billion dollars that he needs for the wall. You know he may not put this into the budget plan, uh, but he's definitely putting this you know eight eight billion dollars for Harvey into the budget plan. So that has to be approved, and that's kind of a, a game winner for for someone that wants to approve their budget. Um, and we talked about last week on how built into that is also going to allow all the co- corporate money that's overseas to come into the United States on a one-time, non-taxed approval. So all that money is going to flood in, which you would think for the health for Harvey, that would be an incredible sales tool. Or the effects that Irma is going to have, that's going to be an incredible sales tool, you know, to, to let this money come in. But we also know that that's also the strategy to end up buying everything for pennies on the dollar. I mean, that's, that's the plan. We, we, we know this. So we need to watch how this budget plays out in September. Um, because it's going to be very interesting if we get hit with Harvey and we get hit with Irma and maybe another one. We, we, it's only the 2nd of September. They have till the end of September to figure this out. And we, what we know from Congress is they can't decide on anything. So they're either going to hurry and approve the $8 billion that you know, the flood insurance program needs, or they're going to drag their feet and see what happens with the Irma and see if they concede on the wall or, or if they need to add more money. To Either way, the, the, the government's going to be printing money or the Fed's going to be printing money at a scale that's just going to be just, you know, it's going to make the bailout in 2007 look like, you know, peanuts compared to what they're going to print in this budget. And they have to pass it or, you know, we're, we're not going to have a government. I mean, we're not going to have this anymore. Um, so, so that is headed our way. Now, from, a, <laughs> from an economic standpoint, we have a very interesting development that's happening as well. I mean, on September 3rd and the 5th, uh, the BRICS nations, which is Russia, China, India, Brazil, and South America, or South Africa, sorry, um, they have made the BRICS nations, which is like an economic uh, 
organization or economic uh, collaboration to rival the IMF or the, you know, um, the other banks within the world. And, and they've been strengthening over the years. Now, they recently invited Egypt, Kenya, Kazakhstan, Thailand, and Mexico to come to the BRICS Nations Summit that happens on September 5th or 3rd through the 5th. Now, they're saying that they don't anticipate allowing you know, or countries to join, but they've been kind of flunk, you know, flaunting this around for a while. I mean, they, they've already talked to, um, I think it was last year that they had um, the Bay of Bengal Initiative for multi-sectional, technical, and economic. It's just a, you know, broad way of basically saying Bangladesh, India, Myanmar, Sri Lanka, Thailand, Bhutan, and Nepal um, to come and check out the BRICS nations as well. So from an economic standpoint, they're making their move to get people to join the BRICS instead of the IMF or instead of the um, European banks. This is, this is the move. They're, they're moving towards that. Now, with the fact that they have Mexico involved in there and that the, the um, deliberations with Canada, Mexico, and the United States over NATO is falling apart, if Mexico actually likes what they see with the BRICS nations and joins them, then we're going to have um, a different economic system in Mexico than the United States. And, and what I mean by the different economic system is basically what China is doing. And, and China is making a very interesting, um, what I mean by that is they recently came out, and, and this is straight out of the Nikkei Asian uh, Review, um, where they're talking about China is one, is the largest oil importer in the world. And they get, you know, a large portion of their oil from, you know, like Russia, Angola, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Oman, Iran, Brazil, Venezuela, Kuwait, United Arab Emirates. So, I mean, most of the Middle East and, and all the other oil countries that we don't necessarily like um, as Americans or as the American government. Um, now, what they are doing is they are putting together a system uh, China is preparing to launch a crude oil futures contract denominated in the Chinese won and that can be converted into gold. So basically what their anticipation is, is that they are putting together a system to where you can buy oil with the won or the yuan instead of the U.S. dollar. Now, the U.S. dollar has been the you know, petrodollar, you know, has been the the reason that we have existence in the U.S. dollar today is because the world, or the majority of the world, buys oil in the U.S. dollar. Well, China is planning on allowing these countries, or anyone who really wants to, to to buy oil with the yuan, and and this allows countries like Russia and Iran to bypass U.S. sanctions because U.S. sanctions are are tied to the U.S. dollar. If you don't use the U.S. dollar, you don't have sanctions. It doesn't matter. You just use the U.S. You don't have to worry about what the United States does to you. I mean, North Korea's proven that. I mean, there's a reason why North Korea, you know, we put sanctions on them and then nothing happens. Well, because North Korea, you know, has hacked into the banking system in Indonesia and stole billions of dollars. We, we know that. Um, and so they, sanctions don't work when you just steal the money you need. Sanctions don't work when you don't use the currency that the sanctions are tied to. And this is the plan. This is what their anticipation is. Now, the trick to this is they are going to make it to where you can then sell these 
these future contracts and get gold in exchange instead of the yuan if you choose. Because you know some people are saying, well, the, you know, we don't really want to get the yuan, we don't really want to pursue that. So you can actually exchange these contracts for gold. So you're, in effect, China is basically taking the petrodollar from the United States, moving it to the yuan, and then backing the yuan with gold. Which is the reason that we're in the situation right now from an economic standpoint, anyhow, is the United States dollar is not backed by gold. Richard Nixon removed that back in the 70s. So we're not covered by that. And the whole world is asking for a currency to be backed by gold, and the Chinese are doing it. The Chinese are, are pushing for that right now, and they're marketing it to all these countries, trying to get them to jump ship as well. Once this economic war accelerates, you're going to see a massive influx of the United States dollar into the United States because that's going to be one of the only places you can actually use the U.S. dollar. That's why they need to pass this, this tax plan, bring all this money over. Because if everyone in the world goes to the yuan because it's backed by gold and because everyone's you know, kind of freaked out because they don't know what to do with currencies and they see you know, these digital currencies rising like crazy, you know, they, they, they don't know what to do. I mean, Bitcoin... Everyone talks about Bitcoin, and Bitcoin just jumped over $5,000 per coin. You know, what was it, three months ago, it was $1,000 a coin? So it's gone up drastically, but it's incredibly unstable as well. I mean, just the, the announcement of, and I'll get to this as well, of what North Korea just announced caused the value of Bitcoin to drop 500 bucks. So it's very unstable because there's nothing necessarily backing it. But we also know that the Russian government and the Chinese government are pursuing a digital currency as well to be tied to the yuan, to, to be backed by gold, to be the currency that you buy oil with. I mean, they're, they're taking everything from what they need to do to basically take the power from, from the United States. So the United States has to flood all the, the, the dollars back in so they can then keep us afloat as long as we can. I mean, that's, that's what we have to do. It's, it's to that point as well. Now I hinted at it and, and I'll kind of just start off a little thing like this uh, with, with North Korea, there's an article that came out of the telegraph um, and it just says hungry North Korean soldiers ordered to steal corn because war is imminent. And in this article, it goes through and it says officers are ordering their troops to supplement their meager food rations by plundering local fields in order to keep up their strength for battle. The military officers are instructing their soldiers, exhausted after training, to eat corn in the fields because war is imminent. So, you know, we, we talked about this in, in numerous uh, broadcasts before down in Venezuela, where the Venezuelan uh, military was going into the bordering countries looking for food, which is never a good sign when people that are trained to kill that have weapons are going to look for food. That's never a good sign. And that is the Matthew and I have talked about this in, in private, where that is one of the scariest uses of a dictator um, is when they start using hunger as a weapon against their own people to motivate their own people. And North Korea is doing exactly that. And they're testing it on their own population right now. Well, how close are we to conflict in North Korea? Everyone says, ah, you know, he's, he's just, you know, blowing smoke. You know, he, he doesn't really want to you know, bomb Guam. He doesn't really have the technology or anything. 
And then today he kind of says something incredibly scary. And this is straight from CNN. Uh, North Korea says Kim Jong-un uh, observes a missile uh, ready hydrogen bomb. And I, I just want to read this real quick. North Korea regime has successfully uh, has succeeded in making a more developed nuke, according to the country state news agency. The Korean Central News Agency described it as a nuke in the English language report, but it is called a thermonuclear hydrogen bomb. During a visit to its country's nuclear weapons institute, North Korea leader Kim Jong-un watched an H-bomb be loaded into an intergalactic missile or intercontinental ballistic missile. The H-bomb, the explosive power of which, uh, adjustable from 10 kilotons to 100 kilotons, is a multinational thermonuclear nuke with great destructive power, which can be detonated even at high levels for super powerful electromagnetic pulse, or EMP, the attack uh, according to strategic goals. The electromagnetic pulse is an intensive wave of electrical, ma ma uh, electrical energy generated by the detonation of a nuclear weapon. Nuclear EMP has the demonstrated potential to disrupt, damage, or destroy a wide variety of electrical and electrical equipment. The EMP waves can, uh, can disable all sorts of electrical devices, but their biggest threat is the electrical grid and long-haul communications. One blast could knock out power and communications over hundreds even thousands of kilometers. So they just loaded an EMP onto an intercontinental ballistic missile. And North Korea all along has always said that that is one option, is to hit us with an EMP, which would then take out our electric grid, which would then bring the United States and its people to its knees. And now they publicly came out and said they just put it on a missile. I mean, just this week, they, they shot a missile over Japan, like over the country of Japan. And people, you know, that had the emergency warnings on their phones got a text message saying, by the way, look up, there's a missile flying over Japan right now. I mean, that, just that, that concept is incredibly scary. The fact that if North Korea shot this missile and say it broke up, those, that debris, that whatever was loaded on it would then land on Japan. And now they're loading an EMP. Who knows what their target is? It could be Seoul, could be Japan, could be Guam, or it could be what they've always said all along, which is the United States. We don't know. But this is accelerating incredibly quick. And the fact that from an economic standpoint, it's, it's accelerating with Japan as well. And, you know, President Trump has been saying, Japan, you need to have, you know, use your influence on North Korea to stop them from this and, and uh, stop escalating everything. Even Putin came out saying that what's happening in North Korea is going to lead to war. I mean, he came out and basically said that this week. But China, if, if North Korea is their proxy, they're making the moves on the economic front to bankrupt the United States or to make the U.S. dollar worthless, to grab all business and make everything go through the new reserve currency, which is the yuan, which fits into the One Belt, One Road initiative, 
which is why we are going into Afghanistan on a massive scale. And we will go in on a massive scale because that is our last resort. We have to stop that, that, that rope. We have to stop that trade route. Now, the other things is, is NATO is kind of freaking out. Um, Russia is looking to do uh, a war games, um, and they're looking to do it in the middle to late September. And it's going to be a large-scale military exercise with Belarus. Um, and there's going to be about 100,000 troops involved in this. Now, they're worried that the uh, drill may turn into a full-scale invasion, not necessarily the actual drill. But what the plan is, and the reason they know that this is the plan, is because Russia's done this in Georgia in 2008 and Ukraine in 2014 is they anticipate bringing all this military equipment into Belarus, doing this drill, and then leaving the equipment. And when the time is right, you have all the military equipment right there, and then you just execute the invasion. It's their MO. It's what they have done twice already. And they're getting ready to do it again. And so this would mean that they would be going into um, – yeah. The, the bordering countries, which could be NATO allies, which is Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, and even Poland. Now, with NATO, you, you attack one, you attack all. So that would be an act of war against NATO, which means NATO goes to war with Russia, which means I think we can all realize what that means. And this happens later on this month, this exercise. So we, we need to see how that develops. And, and we don't even know where we as, as the United States stand. You know, we, we, we have really no clue. I mean, you look at Syria and you look at the different groups in there and, and you know, supposedly the United States is against ISIS and, you know, we are against Assad. Uh, so we're against the Syrian government, so, which is backed by Turkey and Russia. So technically we're against Turkey and Russia. Um, and then Hezbollah, you know, backs Assad. So, you know, Lebanon has always been kind of run by Hezbollah. So, you know, we, we then are against Lebanon and Hezbollah, you know. So we're for, like, the rebel groups and we're for the Kurds. Um, but we, you know, there's speculation that actually we've been funding ISIS. And, and there's many reports that are coming out saying just that. And, and I hope that's not true, but it seems like it, it is. Now, there was a, a convoy, and and this convoy, for, for lack of better terms, is, is Hezbollah made a deal with ISIS to stop fighting, and ISIS was going to give their hostages, their their you know prisoners of war, back to Hezbollah in exchange for free passage out of the country. Now this is nothing new. I mean the United States did this earlier, just last year. Uh, the United States did exactly this, where there was an exchange and 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 that allowed for free passage through the country or out, or out of the country. So ISIS did this with Hezbollah, gave the uh, prisoners of war over, and was in their convoy for free passage. And the United States destroyed their convoy and killed all of the ISIS fighters that just made this this peace deal with Hezbollah. And our stance is, well, we, you know, any terrorist is a bad terrorist and we don't really back it up. Um, <laughs> but the, the problem is we, we don't really know kind of where we stand. Now, in this convoy, yes, there was 308 militants 
but there's 331 civilians as well. We didn't care. You know, one terrorist is the same as another, I guess. And if you're a civilian and you're wrapped in with the terrorist, you're, you're classified as a terrorist according to our actions. We can always say something differently, but that is our actions. And that is exactly what we did. So we really don't know exactly where we stand. We don't know from the you know, Trump administration where we stand with Russia. We as a country don't know where we stand when it comes to civil rights. We as a country don't know where we stand on race. We don't know where we stand and we are facing maybe one of the greatest crises, if not the greatest crisis in the country. And we have no clue where we stand. So I think that's a nice start, Matthew. I'll hand it back over to you. I agree. Good place to start. I think I am going to cover, uh, well, some disasters that is being ignored. This week it was uh, released uh, in local news in uh, Idaho. That President Donald Trump approved ma- major disaster declaration for Idaho. Of you're probably thinking, Idaho, what's that got to do with the price of beans in China? Well, the Federal Emergency Management Agency announced this week that federal disaster assistance has been made available to Idaho to supplement the state and local recovery efforts in the areas affected by flooding, landslides, and mudslides this year. Also, August the 30th, farmers in eastern portions uh, of Iowa, they're getting disaster loan approval. I didn't even know that this was in the game. I didn't even know this was being played out. But last week, the USDA designated Clark, Decatur, Jefferson's, Lucas, Madison, Marion, Union, Wapo, Warren, and Wayne counties in Iowa as disaster areas in response to the drought conditions there. Ladies and gentlemen, you are talking about a swath of land that grows food. That is phenomenal. If nobody had been watching uh, other news either, this came out yesterday. Uh... Montana declares state of disaster due to wildfires. Now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I have been keeping my eye on this, uh, but it's been absolutely catastrophic over there. As Montana just burns. I mean, it just burns. Um, You need to know that as of August 30th, just two months into the budget period, the state already spent that entire amount and an additional $14.5 million. Uh, the state is dipping into other budgets to pay for the firefighting now and is estimating it will need another $20 mil this year and $20 mil next year. So uh, I'm sure this should have been all over the news that uh, Montana has declared uh, this to be the worst fire season in its history. Uh, They've had dozens of very large wildfires burning across the state, and dozens of additional wildfire starts reported this week alone. 
I mean, Montana's just burning, I guess. I have no idea. It seems like this, this, this is what I'm getting from the feel of what Clinton had to say and the very leery eye that uh, Brian uh, has been giving me here lately over the past week. What I'm getting is that I get the feeling that Hurricane Harvey was just the first barrel in a double-barrel shotgun. And they're using this to mass effect to hide more than a few things. I think there's a whole lot going on that nobody knows about. Not only that, I think that when the second barrel is triggered, we have no idea. Clinton say that, well, the flood fund is basically already bankrupt. And you know, the funny thing about a double-barrel shotgun, ladies and gentlemen, is everybody that fires and know that you have to cock your head to the left or right, because the right barrel, well, it spreads to the right, left barrel spreads to the left. And you know, you don't really understand that the best-case scenario would be if Irma does become an upper-category hurricane to hit the same exact place. That would be the best-case scenario. Really, uh, outside of uh, if this hurricane has greater wind, we could have more wind damage, but as far as the flooding, that damage is already done. Would be a worst case scenario is if this hurricane decides to hook the other way. What if it impacts, well, up along the coast of Florida? You've got Alabama. What if it goes the other way? What if it hits to the east of the damage caused by Harvey? Now, ladies and gentlemen, you know, just on the news about this disaster funds, that's not your real problem. And me being a contractor, I know what the problem is. question is not whether you can get the money to, to – you better be able to find a contractor that's willing to come down there and do it. And by the way, the wastewater system has already obviously been compromised. That's why you're not going to get it, be able to get anybody to come down there. Because in order to deal with waste, well, 99% of all contractors won't do it. I won't do it. I don't know any of my friends that will do it either. Uh, because technically, uh, if you have the inspector showed up, you're supposed to do that stuff in like uh, hazmat gear. Just so you all know. I mean… You can't work uh, in in sewage. You can't do that. I mean, it's heavily regulated, and for a good reason. So, I mean, you've got – they've got problems they can't even understand. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, a, a, a business must 
continually produce profit. I mean, if there's just one month you can't pay the electric bill, you're done. Once a business can't have the lights on or keep the refrigerators plugged in, they're done. They're done. Now imagine uh, these people, who knows how long it's going to take, the waters to recede, yada, 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 yada. The businesses can't just open up. They have to be inspected because we're talking about sewage. So even if you want to go back to work, let's say you work at a car dealer. Well, first off, you don't have any cars to sell, just so you know. They're all contaminated with fecal material. They're scrap. So that's where you start. But you need to understand that a state federal inspector has to come in to make sure uh, that it has been properly dealt with. You just can't whitewash the walls and repaint them. No, they got to be inspected. Because we're not talking about rainwater, we're talking about sewage. So this is a whole different game that nobody even understands that basically the small businesses in the areas that we're talking about, they've received a fatal blow. I mean, even none of these businesses can expect their employees to to probably come back. Of course, these employers have probably been uh, well. There's no question of that. Okay, we know they've been underpaying all their laborers. I mean, it's a joke to even suggest they're not. But anyway, uh, they're going to have to go for higher ground. I mean, I don't know how many people I met uh, from Hurricane Katrina that had come to where I was staying, had relocated there, and they never could go back, no way to get back. Their laborers, now they have a new job that, you know, pays them roughly, you know, minimum or a little bit above, you know, way below, way below um, what it really takes to live. So... They live from paycheck to paycheck to paycheck where they got relocated to, and that's exactly what's going to happen to these areas. All the workforce is going to uh, relocate and get low-paying jobs in their new cities, and they'll just stay there. I don't – I mean I can't even tell you how many construction workers I met uh, after Hurricane Katrina that was just stuck where they were at now, and they just accepted it because there's no way when you live you know, hand-to-mouth – you can't save up money to relocate and go back to your home. When you're poor, you really don't have a home. I mean, your home is where you can afford to live. So those businesses down there have all been dealt a, a, a fatal blow. It's just they're not telling you that yet. Now, yes, all the wealthy people, they probably have $250,000 houses in those areas. Guess what? You're daft if you think uh, those upper middle class people – Ladies and gentlemen, they've got vacation houses in probably two or three states. They'll just leave. They're not coming back. They'll leave and you know come back after it's all cleaned up. I mean, case in point, um, guy here locally uh, owned an electrical business, and uh, as soon as the uh, economy crashed here, well, he had three houses in Phoenix. Uh, two houses in Denver. He just relocated. No problem. He just left. You see, because this generation, they worship mammon, heart and soul. And you can do that wherever. 
so I hope everybody realizes what this really means when the rubber really hits the road. I mean, this area will exist on federal assistance because, ladies and gentlemen, um, Kroger don't make a profit uh, putting what is in the back of their semi-trucks, uh, loading it onto boats and taking it out to people for, for charity. No, Kroger don't do that. So you need to understand that they're going to be completely uh, on lifeline through the military and the government. But once these people are able to leave and relocate, they're gone. That labor force won't come back. I mean, we're just talking uh, – I just gave an example of a, uh, of a car dealer. Ladies and gentlemen, you're daft if you think that uh, the people that wash the cars every day, you know, the, all of these, uh, these dealers, they have the lowest people on the, on the total pole. Um, usually they don't <clears throat> sometimes even have subcontractors come in to wash the cars every day. No, they're not coming back. They can't afford to come back because you were paying the minimum wage. Um, they called their mom, and you know uh, their mom had a sister in, uh, let's say, Toledo. They're gone. Their family got them out of there to the closest relative in a different state. And that's where they're going to stay. They'll get another job just like they have on that car lot, washing car lots in that different state. Your workforce ain't coming back. Now, I'm sorry to be the, the bearer of bad news, but you know we have other things on our plates. I mean, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we need Iowa's food. Okay. No, really, we do. That's actually pretty needed. I mean, let's talk about... Uh, this is absolutely amazing. Uh, shocked tourists found a Cornish holiday beach's golden sands had turned silver overnight as a quarter of a million fish had jumped to their deaths to escape being eaten. <laughs> Look, if you watch the video, it will quite simply blow you away. And they jumped out of the water to prevent from being eaten from their natural predators. Ladies and gentlemen, when was the last time you heard this happening? Of, of course, your answer must be never, because it's never happened before. Millions of fish do not jump out of the water ever. Not ever. Just so, just so you know, that, that don't happen. Because if it did, they would in very short order go extinct. And that's really what we're talking about, isn't it? It's really what we're talking about.
I mean, when you realize that uh, reports have been coming out that two-thirds of the animals are expected to be extinct, ladies and gentlemen, in three years. Yeah, two-thirds of the animals are are expected to be extinct by 2020. That's in three years. This is just one of the stats given. In the UK, since 1970, 60% of the insect population is gone. 60%. I mean... Here in the past few months, uh, let's talk about Canada. They had thousands of dead snow geese uh, wash up. Uh, Same time frame, 600,000 birds were culled in the Philippines due to avian flu. Um. Two thousand four hundred seventy-four cattle died for unknown reasons in Bolivia. They have no idea what caused those deaths. Now, take note: this this is all just in August this year. In the Gulf Coast, uh, we've had dozens of both dolphins and turtles washing up in the Gulf Coast. I mean, so far the count stands at forty-seven dolphins and uh, fifty-one endangered sea turtles. I mean, uh, also in August, uh, thousands of dead fish washed up along Tampa Bay. Indonesia had tens of tons, not tens of thousands, tens of tons of dead fish die. All of this is just from one month, ladies and gentlemen. This is just August this year. Two million cattle died in Ethiopia due to the Death or due to the drought, ladies and gentlemen. You go to the different. Uh, well, you can go to the UN and do some research, and they will at least give you the links to the individual countries that you can get your hands on the individual stats of those countries. We're having serious problems. Serious problems, ladies and gentlemen. And it seems like nobody's paying attention, and I really don't know why. Let's continue our excursion into the prophetic book of Job. This week we're going to do chapters 21 through 25, the next portion. I would strongly suggest you at least considering to listen to every single word. We'll be back in 10 minutes, 38 seconds. You are listening to the End Time Tribune. The Book of Job, Chapter 21. But Job answered and said, Hear diligently my speech, and let this be your consolations. Suffer me that I may speak, and after that I have spoken, mock on. As for me, is my complaint to man? 
And if it were so, why should not my spirit be troubled? Mark me and be astonished and lay your hand upon your mouth. Even when I remember I am afraid and trembling taketh hold on my flesh. Wherefore do the wicked live, become old, yea, are mighty in power? Their seed is established in their sight with them and their offspring before their eyes. Their houses are safe from fear, neither is the rod of God upon them. Their bull gendereth and faileth not, their cow carveth and casteth not a calf. They send forth their little ones like a flock, and their children dance. They take the timbrel and harp and rejoice at the sound of the organ. They spend their days in wealth and in a moment go down to the grave. Therefore they say unto God, Depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy ways. What is the Almighty that we should serve him? And what profit should we have if we pray unto him? Though their good is not in their hand, the counsel of the wicked is far from me. How oft is the candle of the wicked put out? And how oft cometh their destruction upon them? God distributeth sorrows in his anger. They are as stubble before the wind, and as chaff that the storm carrieth away. God layeth up his iniquity for his children. He rewardeth him, and he shall know it. His eyes shall see his destruction, and he shall drink of the wrath of the Almighty. For what pleasure hath he in his house after him, when the number of his months is cut off in the midst? Shall any teach God knowledge, seeing he judgeth those that are high? One dieth in his full strength, being wholly at ease and quiet. His breasts are full of milk, and his bones are moistened with marrow. And another dieth in the bitterness of his soul, and never eateth with pleasure. They shall lie down alike in the dust, and the worms shall cover them. Behold, I know your thoughts and the devices which ye wrongfully imagine against me. For ye say, Where is the house of the prince, and where are the dwelling places of the wicked? Have ye not asked them that go by the way, and do ye not know their tokens? That the wicked is reserved to the day of destruction? They shall be brought forth to the day of wrath? Who shall declare his way to his face, and who shall repay him what he hath done? Yet shall he be brought to the grave, and shall remain in the tomb. The clods of the valley shall be sweet unto him, and every man shall draw after him, as there are innumerable before him. How then comfort ye me in vain, seeing in your answers there remaineth falsehood? Chapter 22 Then Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, Can a man be profitable unto God, as he that is wise may be profitable unto himself? Is it any pleasure to the Almighty that thou art righteous? Or is it gain to him that thou makest thy ways perfect? Will he reprove thee for fear of thee? Will he enter with thee into judgment? Is not thy wickedness great, and thine iniquities infinite? For thou hast taken a pledge from thy brother for naught, and stripped the naked of their clothing. Thou hast not given water to the weary to drink, and thou hast withholden bread from the hungry. But as for the mighty man, he had the earth, and the honorable man dwelt in it. Thou hast sent widows away empty, and the arms of the fatherless have been broken. Therefore snares are round about thee, and sudden fear troubleth thee, or darkness that thou canst not see, and abundance of waters cover thee. Is not God the height of heaven, and behold the height of the stars, how high they are? And thou sayest, How doth God know? Can he judge through the dark cloud? Thick clouds are a covering to him that he seeth not, and he walketh in the circuit of heaven. Hast thou marked the old way which wicked men have trodden, which were cut down out of time, whose foundation was overflown with the flood, which said unto God, Depart from us, and what can the Almighty do for them? 
yet he filled their houses with good things. But the counsel of the wicked is far from me. The righteous see it and are glad, and the innocent laugh them to scorn. Whereas our substance is not cut down, but the remnant of them the fire consumeth. Acquaint now thyself with him, and be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto thee. Receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth, and lay up his words in thine heart. If thou return to the Almighty, thou shalt be built up, thou shalt put away iniquity far from thy tabernacles. Then shalt thou lay up gold as dust, and the gold of Ophir as the stones of the brooks. Yea, the Almighty shall be thy defense, and thou shalt have plenty of silver. For then shalt thou have thy delight in the Almighty, and shalt lift up thy face unto God. Thou shalt make thy prayer unto him, and he shall hear thee, and thou shalt pay thy vows. Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. When men are cast down, then thou shalt say, There is lifting up, and he shall save the humble person. He shall deliver the island of the innocent, and it is delivered by the pureness of thine hands. Chapter 23 Then Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say unto me. Will he plead against me with his great power? No, but he would put strength in me. There the righteous might dispute with him. So should I be delivered forever from my judge. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot hath held his steps, his way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. But he is in one mind, and who can turn him? And what his soul desireth, even that he doeth. For he performeth the thing that is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. Therefore am I troubled at his presence, when I consider I am afraid of him. For God maketh my heart soft, and the Almighty troubleth me. Because I was not cut off before the darkness, neither hath he covered the darkness from my face. Chapter 24 Why, seeing times are not hidden from the Almighty, do they that know him not see his days? Some remove the landmarks. They violently take away flocks and feed thereof. They drive away the ass of the fatherless. They take the widow's ox for a pledge. They turn the needy out of the way. The poor of the earth hide themselves together. Behold, as wild asses in the desert go they forth to their work, rising betimes for a prey. The wilderness yieldeth food for them and for their children. They reap every one his corn in the field, and they gather the vintage of the wicked. They cause the naked to lodge without clothing, that they have no covering in the cold. They are wet with the showers of the mountains, and embrace the rock for want of a shelter. They pluck the fatherless from the breast, and take a pledge of the poor. They cause him to go naked without clothing, and they take away the sheaf from the hungry which make oil within their walls and tread their wine presses and suffer thirst. Men groan from out of the city and the soul of the wounded crieth out. 
yet God layeth not folly to them. They are of those that rebel against the light. They know not the ways thereof, nor abide in the paths thereof. The murderer, rising with the light, killeth the poor and needy, and in the night is as a thief. The eye also of the adulterer waiteth for the twilight, saying, No eye shall see me, and disguiseth his face. In the dark they dig through houses, which they had marked for themselves in the daytime. They know not the light, for the morning is to them even as the shadow of death. If one know them, they are in the terrors of the shadow of death. He is swift as the waters. Their portion is cursed in the earth. He beholdeth not the way of the vineyards. Drought and heat consume the snow waters. So doth the grave those which have sinned. The womb shall forget him. The worm shall feed sweetly on him. He shall be no more remembered. And wickedness shall be broken as a tree. He evil entreateth the barren that beareth not, and doeth not good to the widow. He draweth also the mighty with his power. He riseth up, and no man is sure of life, though it be given him to be in safety whereon he resteth. Yet his eyes are upon their ways. They are exalted for a little while, but are gone and brought low. They are taken out of the way as all other, and cut off as the tops of the ears of corn. And if it be not so now, who will make me a liar and make my speech nothing worth? Chapter 25 Then answered Bildad the Shuhite and said, Dominion and fear are with him. He maketh peace in his high places. Is there any number of his armies? And upon whom doth not his light arise? How then can man be justified with God? Or how can he be clean that is born of a woman? Behold, even to the moon, and it shineth not. Yea, the stars are not pure in his sight. How much less man, that is a worm, and the son of man, which is a worm. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the End Time Tribune. It is time for Brian to do his news diatribe. Brian, go ahead and jump right in the saddle, and let's get to it. Well, I mean, where do we start with this week? Um, You know, obviously we've got a lot happening with shifting and changing alliances all throughout the world on a pretty grand scale. Um, We start in this, um, you know, Basically, we have more uh, details happening. Russia and Egypt have now gotten closer thanks to the sanctions that were put on uh, Egypt over the last week, which was pretty much unprecedented, not to even mention unexpected. They didn't even attempt to talk to Egypt about this in any shape, way, or form. And uh, that caused some pretty uh, major rifts and is you know, beginning to tighten ties between Egypt and Russia again. And this gets a little alarming when you consider the pre-Yom Kippur War era when uh, Russia was backing both Egypt and Syria. And you have this same uh, thing going on here again. Now, what's even more alarming is 
we essentially have the uh, Iranian Crescent as well as gaining a much broader stronghold. And obviously, when we had the uh, sanctions lifted with the uh, Iranian nuclear deal, that was able to put Iran in a much broader point of control over many places within the Middle East. And with the aspects going on here with Syria, that war is appearing to slowly boil down. And the same thing going with the massive stronghold with the over 60% of Shia population there in Iraq is causing, obviously, major trouble. But when you consider what the newest breaking uh, things are concerning the uh, situations in Lebanon uh, with Hezbollah, we just had that deal, of course, where they evacuated Islamic State members from the area, and then, of course, American uh, warplanes came in and sort of started shooting up the area to stop those uh, buses and so forth making it to the southern border of Syria. But, you know, there's this um, pull back and forth in the Lebanese government right now, and there's a lot happening in that whole situation with Lebanon that could lead to an explosive um, situation, you know, between the combination of you have many Syrian refugees in there, which are Sunni, you have a great deal of Palestinian refugees in there, which once again are Sunni, and you have this flare up back and forth between the Lebanese government, which part of it does have control from Hezbollah, but also a portion of it has control through the regular mainline Lebanese uh, population. And, you know, the gist of the war back in, oh, what was the year of that? In the 80s, the Lebanese war was between uh, varied Christian militias and the Lebanon government itself. And this, the number of the Christian population there now is completely dwarfed in comparison with the uh, mass amount of Sunni refugees that have come in from the Syrian crisis. So the shift happening once again where Hezbollah seems to be gaining ground due to the fact of what's happening in Syria with Assad, with the agreement with the United States to back off of uh, the Assad regime and then allow the um, that group to basically uh, gain more ground is also giving more power to Iran in that whole circumstance. And they're trying to basically build a nonstop borderless crescent going from Iraq into Syria into Iran. Plus, we've got the circumstances happening in Yemen, and then you factor in Qatar, which just happened uh, in the last uh, week or so here, where they basically realigned themselves with Iran due to the fact that they have an oil um, gas pipeline that is stretching back and forth between the two. And they, they play some shifty politics because they align themselves with the Sunnis. They use that as a playing card to basically on top of it align themselves with the Shiite and it's just this whole Qatar thing is an absolute mess but the whole situation there with all these massive sanctions being put against Qatar and you know everything that's happened here over the course of the last few months is just it's absolutely hip, hypocritical by every stretch of the imagination for Saudi Arabia 
because their main beef is, well, you're backing um, the Muslim Brotherhood and this, that, and the other uh, group. But, folks, most of those Muslim Brotherhood, the Salafi groups and all that spawned off of the radical Wahhabi Islam that had flared up, you know, through Saudi Arabia. So it's just an extreme mess. Now, in the last week or so, um, Netanyahu has been in talks with Putin concerning stuff that's going on in Syria, essentially warning that, um, you know, there's talk of Iran setting up missile bases in South Syria um, towards, uh, what is it, the Golan Heights? And on top of it, there's rumors floating that Lebanon is also setting up missiles and having them brought in through Hezbollah, but at the same time, this is being denied by the Lebanese government. So there's not really any way to tell what's going on. In this last week, we've also had Nikki Haley with the UN is out stirring up more trouble, um, essentially demanding that they get access to the Iranian military bases, and on top of it, you know, further uh, basically correlations looking into the nuclear agreement, which the IAEA released this week, that they are following this perfectly. So you see this slow boil of them trying to, once again, starting to really uh, saber-rattle with Iran, which at this point is almost a dangerous proposition because what this is going to end up causing is already Iraq is in a very unstable circumstance here. And if this flares up more fighting between the Shia and Sunni groups within Iraq, this whole thing could boil over all over again. And it just caused the entire region to explode. And as you know, many of the analysts have pointed out, Iran is one of the only areas of uh, stability in that whole sector of the Middle East right now. But here's the whole problem. And, you know, when you consider who it is that's back in the White House in this current administration, you are dealing with the neocon warhawks again. And back at the time of uh, 2001, before the invasion of Iraq, George Bush made the infamous uh, – Oh, well, repeat, because somebody else actually stated it before in a speech about the axis of evil with and, you know, basically naming all the nations that are pretty much in war right now, with the exception of Iran and North Korea. And we can see things are already escalating with North Korea. And you've just got these two situations that are going back and forth and back and forth here, but this... The circumstance with Iran gaining more of a foothold in the Middle East is getting very troubling as far as Israel is concerned. Now, earlier in the week, there was a mega announcement that Hamas was once again receiving funding from Iran. And this could end up lighting up the Gaza Strip all over again. And there was a... Uh, Article earlier in the week that stated that uh, Hamas was basically going to launch a campaign entitled Liberate Palestine. So this is going to get, could get very troubling. And it's just, it's dependent on what directions things move here. Now, 
One of the other major, major, major stories that's been getting a lot of press this week is Myanmar. There's been um, basically ethnic fighting between the Buddhists of Myanmar against the Muslims in Myanmar. And there's been over 400 killed. Uh, today there's been a bunch of house burnings and all kinds of things. And this is setting um, mass amounts of refugees over the border into uh, Burma as we speak. Now, I brought this up time and time again, that basically Myanmar is one of the most important uh, port routes, the One Belt, One Road, and not to mention as well that they tried to pen a, a gas deal between there and China with a pipeline system, and on top of it, they were planning on setting up a railway from China over to Myanmar. So this is really throwing things into quite a spin here with this happening. And, you know, you factor in what just happened, and Clinton brought this up earlier, and this is one of the things I had planned on touching on, but he caught it as well, which is good. This circumstance with China and Saudi Arabia setting up the purchase of oil with the uh, Chinese currency and then backing it on top of it by gold, this shifts the entire economic situation for the United States into a place that is really pushing to a very dangerous spot as far as, I mean, the economy in America is already in shambles as is, but now on top of it for China to be making this move like this with China, and like it was brought up before, all of these, it bypassed the sanctions completely, which America's gotten to the stage now where it's just all they want to do is slap sanctions on all these nations. And the thing is, is with Russia, it's gotten to the stage where it's gotten ridiculous because the vast majority of those sanctions are baseless. For instance, Ukraine. We've talked about this a billion times. That was a Western-backed coup that took down the Ukraine in order to goad Russia over that border in there. Russia did not invade the Ukraine. This goes back around with uh, Mikhail Saakashvili back at the time of Georgia. The same thing goes there. In the middle of the night, he gets up, starts firing missiles into South Ossetia. But once again, good old Warhawk McCain... And the rest of the neocons turn around and blame Russia. And you just keep seeing the same thing building over and over and over again. The saber rattling happening with Russia is getting out of hand. We had, um, as well in Los Angeles, they had to clear out one of the um, diplomatic uh, ambassador spots in Russia. And they ended up... uh, kicking him out of there, and then on top of the FBI wanted to raid the place before they were even able to get out of there, breaking multiple international laws. So this just continues to build up. And with Russia building these very strong ties with the powers that they are worldwide, this is leading to a point of massive contention. And... With China throwing in that ability here to 
break that stronghold, that, that changes quite a bit. And I think that's something that's a major that an eye on is how much uh, ground China continues to gain as far as this uh, One Belt, One Road is concerned, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization and all of that. And yes, we have the pathway that is going on between um, Afghanistan with the Afghanistan war there. And it was announced this week that there was actually more United States troops there, the number being at 11,000, plus they've signed into effect another 4,000 going in there as well. And, you know, there were some harsh words that were tossed at Pakistan in the last week, which is, of course, going to cause, once again, more contention. And it's just... The Afghanistan thing has got the ability to turn very bad very quickly like it has in ages past. And, for instance, taking from past attempted invasions into Afghanistan. Well, we can start with Alexander the Great. Didn't turn out too well. Go forward with uh, Britain's invasion. That didn't turn out too, too well either. They got completely wiped out. And then we had Russia when they invaded in 1979 and through the 10-year war there in the 1989, they were also wiped out. So after the major announcement was let out last week through Trump and his speech, the Taliban essentially stated, you send more troops in here, we're going to turn this into a graveyard. So this Afghanistan circumstance is just, there's going to be no end in sight. And historically speaking, it's never turned out well in that area whatsoever. Let me see here. I'm trying to look through some of this other stuff. And let me think here. Um, OPEC as well, is also being impacted because of the uh, Texas situation with the flooding and the um, Venezuela situation is also sitting in a predicament with its uh, oil tankers because, for one, in the United States, they don't have really any place to take that specific oil. So there is Mexico and a few of the other Latin American Companies may be buying that up, but this, uh, strangely enough, what happened here in America is affecting OPEC in a way that I did not expect. It's having a negative effect once again. So uh, you're kind of getting to the stage now where we've got the American dollar has been propped up by the by oil, by the petrodollar. The thing is, is oil is turning into one of those resources that is sort of losing value and to keep the American dollar propped up by oil which as I had heard it stated um, through um, an ex uh, uh, what do you call that analyst basically somebody that would delivered the papers for the different CIA briefings and all that that had access to everything as he stated oil is the second most uh available liquid in the world. It's not what we thought it was, folks. It's not the common 
thing that it's basically called is a fossil fuel, but there's a lot of evidence through Russian research that it's actually, well, as Matthew and I discussed it, essentially the blood of the earth. And, you know, there's something's going to have to change as far as uh, how America is setting up its economy, because keeping it backed by oil is not going to work at all in that area. Now, I'm trying to find some of this other stuff because I shot way too far back here in my feed. Um, there's another breaking thing that happened here. Uh, here's the story I was looking for. Um, Kirkuk Provincial Council decides to join uh, Kurdistan's region's upcoming referendum on independence by a majority. Now, I'm not certain if that means that Kirkuk is planning on um, adding that area of land, but still, this is a pretty big announcement as far as this Kurdistan and independence is concerned. And now there's talks that Iran has actually been in there talking to them as far as economic dealings go. And there was a major oil plant as well that turned around and essentially started paying back um, the Kurdish people for the, all the oil that's been taken out of there for years upon years on end. And there's a multi-million dollar deal that was reached and it looks like they're gaining control back to that pipeline again. So it's also another uh, big one. Let's see, what have we had going on with Turkey? More tr troubles being caused between Turkey and uh, Germany. And that election is also on the horizon as far as Germany is concerned. Um, there's two... Germans that were basically taken prisoner by um, Turkey earlier in the week. Let's see here. We had um, an explosion in Kabul at the U.S. Embassy there. Let's see. Israel sells India their first long-range surface-to-air missile. Yep, that's that same story. And once again, yeah, the EU and Turkey ascension talks are pretty much boiling down to the point where Turkey is not going to be allowed into the EU, but that pretty much had happened at the time of the Gulen coup anyways, and after Erdogan seized even more power with the uh, constitutional referendum there. So that was pretty much a uh, coming down the barrel anyways. Um, U.S. dollar on top of it has been majorly losing out to the euro. Uh, 29th this week, the euro tops um, $1.20 to hit highest level since early 2015. Let's see here. We had a uh, landslide in southwest China. That's, once again, that's a lot more of that. Um, trying to remember some of these other odds and ends. I think that's about all I'm going to cover right now for the time being. We can just bounce back and forth. I mean, there's a lot of other things. It's just my memory is kind of a little off at the moment. Clinton, your uh, your comments on what uh, Brian and I both covered, and by all means, 
let's add more fuel to the fire, or let's just uh, discuss things. At any rate, your comments, Clinton. You know, all the, the fish die-offs, all the different animals and, and birds and everything else is dying off across the, the world. Um, it's crazy. Um, I came across an article, um, I believe it was from the Chicago Tribune, that was talking about um, coyotes um, that are going into the city and they look like uh, dogs that, you know, are without a home. So people are thinking that these these coyotes are actual just like homeless dogs, but they're coyotes and they have a, a disease that, that makes them come out during the day um, instead of at night. So kind of like, you know, and that's what rabies does. Um, and so, I mean, we haven't, having that rise. Um, as I, as uh, Brian was talking, um, I was looking at uh, North Korea and um, uh, there was just a 5.6 magnitude earthquake right next to one of the nuclear uh, test facilities. Um, and so there's, you know, the, the articles are coming out right now, um, kind of freaking out that uh, um, this might be a nuclear test, um, that this might be, I mean, 5.6, that's a big boy. That's, if that's a test that caused an earthquake on that kind of scale, that is huge. Um, and so we may, combined with, you know, the the, um, the EMP that they're talking about putting on a missile, I mean, this, you know, as Matthew says, the start gun may be happening very, very quickly um, with, with that going on. Um, the, you know, stuff that's happening in, in Myanmar, um, you know, there's reports that uh, they were they were taking children and uh, beheading them, um, and then setting their bodies on fire. Um, that's a kind of destruction that's that's going on around the world right now. That's kind of hate that's going on around the world, and and it's disgusting. Um, you know, and we can we can say you know that we're immune to it here in the United States, um, and currently, you know, thank God we, we are. Um, we're not having this, this beheadings, these, these problems like this, but I mean, how far away are we? I mean, you know, there's, there's the reports that Homeland Security and the FBI just classified Antifa as a domestic terrorist group. Antifa has been protesting like crazy against the KKK, against the alt-right. People are saying the Antifa is the alt-left. So now they're classified as a domestic terrorist. Is this going to cause this group to die down and not voice their concerns over what's going on with the Trump administration or with the, the fascist way that things are going with corporations taking over everything? Or is this just going to escalate their violence? Is this just going to em, you know, empower the alt-right, knowing that their opponents on the alt-left are now classified as terrorists? I mean, th these are these are truly questions that we, I mean, we don't even need to ask because we're going to see, we're we're going to witness. Um, I mean, it's just it's just mind-boggling to to think of this. I mean, you know, I, I always wondered, you know, when it said that I think it's a the second seal with beasts of the earth will devour, you know, people, and and I always wondered how that would be the case. I mean, because we see you know, populations dying off everywhere. But what, what happens to these zoos when we are struggling to get food? 
when you know we're having drought and fire and everything that's going to affect our food supply what do you think is going to happen with these beasts of the earth that are in these zoos in every major city you know i mean if we have coyotes that are are coming into the city with a disease that they're acting differently then what's going to happen with with these the other beasts what's going to happen to mankind when we do that i mean these are these are questions that we're we're facing these are questions that we're we're truly going to see um and it, it just it just kind of makes uh makes the mind just boggle to that point um so so you know, I'll hand it back over to you, Matthew, but what, you know, just what do you think of that? That's exactly what was always intended to be the case with this particular president being put out on the Republican Party platform for election. I mean, everybody got a full dose of him very publicly with his, uh, you know, reality TV show. If he was the key to something, it was common knowledge to everybody what exactly the type of situation that he would unlock. That's what I personally think. Because everybody knows the Republican Party dynamics as well as the Democratic Party dynamics. Um, There's no way… He should have been on the Republican Party platform. They only, both the parties, only put forth um, their diehard loyalist. I mean, that's that's just a matter of fact. So… You know, he's been promoted as the one the American people wanted. Well, they they got him all right, just like Israel got King Saul. That didn't turn out too well, and I don't think there's any way possible that this is going to turn out very well. This is what he's good at. So, personally, with with all these things on the burner, I, I mean, we didn't even talk about the economic disaster that's going to stem in just the state of Texas from what's going on right now. And ladies and gentlemen, just so you know, uh, 45 minutes, an hour ago, a 5.3 earthquake rumbled through southeast Ohio. Then when you pull up the USGS, well, this little area there in southeast uh, Idaho around um, – Around Soda Springs, which it's called that because uh, the people there in 1934 thought they uh, it would be cool to dr- drill into a hot pool. So they drilled, and uh, well, they tapped into a highly pressurized uh, cavern of carbon dioxide gas in cold water. And um, this, of course, created the Soda Springs geyser. So geologically Speaking, this is one of the release valves for pressure in this area. And uh, in the past 24 hours, they've had 49 earthquakes. Uh, let me just go down through here some of them. This is your past 24 hours in this, in this area. 
3.3, so just so everybody knows, uh, that whatever is going on uh, underneath uh, these hot springs, it's obviously the geysers, obviously not enough to relieve the pressure, so we've got something going on there. And we've got things like these propping up, but nobody is talking about them. Everything is being shadowed by the hurricane damage. Everything else is being covered up because of this. But, I mean, like like I've already shared, we've already got two other disasters that have been declared in other states. Completely out of the news cycle. Nobody cares about them. But ladies and gentlemen, you can't have a system of government where, I mean, for Pete's sakes, I saw news this week that these people were trying to get George Soros to be declared as a terrorist. You don't see where this is going, do you? George Soros is many things, but he's not a terrorist, and of course he wouldn't kill anybody. If he did anything, he would pay somebody else, probably uh, the CIA or somebody, to kill people for him. He is not a terrorist, not by any stretch of the imagination. But this is opening up a window to a place that the the American people is quickly going to figure out that This window that they've opened is actually an egress window. Bunker of safety. That's that's what it is. Everything is building. Ladies and gentlemen, I mean there's things building that are just not good on so many different fronts. I mean this week um, uh, things happened in some states that we're just absolutely off the charts. It's just phenomenal that a state had – they'd come in and, and raise the wages uh, there in uh, there in St. Louis, okay? I mean, just, just imagine this. Thousands in St. Louis likely to see a, a wage drop with new law, okay? This is from AP. This is just absolutely amazing. Um, A Missouri law that goes into effect Monday, August the 28th, which was this Monday, prohibits cities from having a higher minimum wage than the state's wage of $7.70 per hour. That means that St. Louis's $10 minimum wage will be rolled back. So just imagine, ladies and gentlemen, if you're already grossly below the poverty level, all right. Your municipality votes, hey man, they're look. We gotta do something for our people that live in our city. State legislators don't give a flying rip about the people in your city. So your own personal government realizes that if they don't do something quickly, 
bad things are going to happen to them by way of, well, mob. So decided the people in St. Louis that, you know, we have to do something. Let's, let's raise it to $10. Then the state comes in and trumps it. You did notice I said that, right? That is a common phrase. That gets trumped by the big wigs. Look, how many of you could deal with a $3 an hour cut? How would that go over with you, Clinton? Wait, I, I bet your wife would be tickled pink, wouldn't she? Not very happy at words. all. Let's not mince words, Clinton. You'd never go back to that job because she demands you quit. Now, let's talk about the Standard Poverty Index. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to go look it up because uh, minimum wage, don't even remotely cut it. They have it designed into the arithmetic that both spouses must work. That's what the, that's what the Federal Poverty Index is basically. It's minimum wage times two. And that's a joke. I mean… It was a few weeks ago that uh, Clinton said they couldn't find people to uh, harvest the crops for $8 an hour. Lady, really? In California, you want to give somebody $8 an hour? Really? That's not enough for them to pay their food if they have a family for a week. $8 an hour in California. Right. But the people... In St. Louis, they were starting to get smart. They knew that what Trump was going to do, what is going to happen. I mean, Brian and I have already spoke about our personal instances where the uh, the services to the poor are being slashed behind everybody's back, and they really don't know it. People in St. Louis probably had some protests, you know, outside the uh, health and family services. They probably started having their employees being threatened. Oh, yeah. So they were smart enough to say, hey, man, this is our city. We don't want it to burn to the ground. We better do something. So they raised the minimum wage $3. Oh, no, the big wigs, the big wigs trumped that. They had no reason whatsoever to do that. Don't you realize that? Don't you realize that the state legislator... They had no due course to trump that law in St. Louis. It was actually none of their business and none of their concern. Actually, the, their, their tax income would have increased. Don't you realize that? Why would the state legislators have wanted to cut their own tax income? Now it's starting to hit home with you, isn't it? Why did they do that? They just went against their own interest, didn't they? <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, you can imagine what's going on in St. Louis right now. But, of course, you check the news, there's nothing there. Nothing there at all. I don't even see anything... Not only St. Louis, but Missouri. There's there's no news about Missouri. 
No. But I got a feeling there's things brewing there. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I, I know you're not aware of it, but because most of you really don't care. But uh, you do need to know that um, Health and Family Services is cutting all kinds of services across the board. And when you have legislators trumping the local municipalities, don't you understand something's terribly wrong? When all those legislators know that the poverty index is way above minimum wage, but they're banking on the fact that the people who have the money and the ability to do something about it, they don't give a flying rip about the poor people. Even though when you know, they want their big screen TV or when they want their new sofa… The lowly employee had better treat them with a godlike fashion and get them exactly what they want. And they don't care if that employee that showed them the sofa has in an act of desperation tried to figure out how to manufacture meth so he can sell it, so he can keep the heat on in February when he's never been a criminal, never had it enter his mind to be a drug addict, but he knows that his buddies have told him that, well, that's what we had to start doing because all of a sudden uh, the $350 that we were putting into our grocery cart every week, well, all, all of a sudden that's doubled since since 2011. So we have to do something. See, the people that bought that big screen TV and that sofa off that person that wasn't making a a living wage, they didn't care that they were having to perform criminal acts in order to feed their children because they hate their children. They want those children to die. They want all the poor people to just be sterilized. What's the matter? Don't like hearing what you know to be true. Brian, your thoughts and comments. I'm just sitting here looking over a couple of odds and ends. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's the reports boiling out from... uh, this North Korea thing are it's, you have some that are saying 6.3 magnitude explosion detected in North Korea. Others are giving a different figure. Then there's reports saying that there was two of them, but yeah, that's exactly what they're saying is the most likely thing is that they tested that uh, hydrogen bomb and good grief, man. If that's the case, this is about to go into uh, complete insanity because if I remember correctly, uh, 
in the past here, they did uh, warn that if they made another uh, nuclear test, that was going to be a defining moment in America's decisions on North Korea. Now, oh man, I don't even know what to say on that. Um, we just had another couple of weird uh, releases here that I hadn't even noticed until now. I guess there's been a major uproar in Cambodia and Southern Asia. Uh, they arrested an opposition, uh, opposition leader there that was alleging treason. But then on top of it, the prime minister turned around and made a statement that came out of breaking news out of the Jerusalem Post. Cambodian prime minister, U.S. behind plot by opposition leader. Not good. And there was a couple of other details I did forget to bring up. The uh, Gaza electricity and water crisis has been, once again, is causing a lot of contention. And I mean, there just seems to be all kinds of things going on in the Gaza region. And it's just something that we have to keep a continual eye on. And there was another, because you brought up all the things that the the infamous, uh, well, I guess they call them the capitalists. Well, there is an increasing socialist movement that is starting to come forward now in the United States, which isn't too much different than what happened in the Republican elements because, you know, as I've brought up before, folks, at first glance, things are a little tough to understand if we keep it just in the Republican concept of how the right wing is, but we have to remember that the Tea Party basically brought a massive influx of new uh, political players into the scene, almost as if a third party came into the equation. And with this increasing move towards socialism on the left, well, that brings a fourth element in. And, you know, essentially on their side, the roots of it are coming from what they claim is from the Occupy movement. But nonetheless, they're pretty much fed up with what's going on with the right. Like Matthew just pointed out, they're gutting all forms of aid to anybody. And this was chief, first and foremost, on the Koch brothers' agenda, is that all of those programs are completely gutted. And they've been doing it behind the scenes. And nobody's talking about it. Um, food stamps, for instance. Uh, right here with the person staying with us, she's supposed to be allotted a certain amount, and she's getting like some ridiculous amount that can't even feed a person for a week. Um, there's been massive cuts to HUD and all kinds of other things happening. Um, another thing to bring up, because, oh, this caused an uproar. When I posted this earlier on Twitter this week, it was an article from Naomi Klein who wrote a pretty uh, interesting book called The Shock Doctrine, which there's an, also a documentary out there that you can find on um, Amazon, and I think you can even watch it on YouTube, if I remember correctly. But it basically had to do with climate change. And, of course, a lot of people were in uproar because it, you know, it talked about the whole climate change topic. But, folks, that's not what I was even posting it to point out because there was a very excruciatingly um, important details in that article concerning, for instance, 
Mike Pence's role with what happened um, during Katrina, Blackwater's role in Katrina, and all the mega military contractors that were involved in Iraq and their involvement in Katrina, where they literally basically robbed the government of billions of dollars in the process and got away with it. Well, folks, with what's happening in Texas as we speak, it's going to be the same group of people that are going to come into that equation. So that was the gist of that article. But, of course, many people just saw the title of it and immediately went ballistic. So I would advise... For those of you that weren't too keen on the title, you might want to look the article over again because it's actually very important. As a matter of fact, go out and check out that documentary while you're at it, too. And, I mean, oh, and the Antifa being declared as domestic terrorists. This, I don't even know what to say on this anymore because... For Pete's sakes. I mean, yeah, we've had violence associated with some of the Trump protests and this Antifa movement. There has been violence that has broken out with this. Yet what is bothersome to me, and I've stated it before, and I'm going to state it again. And personally, I'm getting ticked off about it because I've seen many people that are aligned in the uh, infamous crusader dominionist uh, circles. Backing up what's been going on with all this hate speech and essentially thinking this is a fight about free speech. You know, I don't really comprehend how it is that people are more uh, um, wanting to fight for free speech, for hate speech. And then on top of it, after an act of domestic terror was committed with the neo-Nazi that drove into that crowd and killed that woman I don't get how in the world we have walked into an absolute reversal and the white supremacists, the Nazis they're not being declared as domestic terrorists and yet the group fighting back against racism and all this other rubbish that's going on has now been labeled as a terrorist group. This is just absolutely ridiculous. And there's a couple of people I've seen make comments out there that have warned, when you see something like this happen, that ain't good. Okay, you better be looking for some massive changes in the governing body that are going down a very rough path. And all considering we've had our police forces are now being militarized with massive funding as we speak, this is getting troublesome. So that's just what I had to add in there. Things aren't well inside, but they're obviously not well outside. Because uh, check this out, ladies and gentlemen. In the wake of Hurricane Katrina, more than 150 countries offered volunteer supplies and cash to the United States. Now, What's happened after Harvey? Well, um, we just sanctioned Venezuela, but Venezuela offered $5 million in aid. The European Union sent satellites. 
In a statement, Mexico offered to uh, offered with help and coordination to Harvey Ravage, Texas, although it didn't go into specifics. Uh, Canadians were willing to give baby bottles, formula, and bath towels. Taiwan offered uh, 800000 That's it, ladies and gentlemen. That's 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 it. European Union, Mexico, and Canada, but Venezuela. We just put sanctions on. Let me say that again. After Hurricane Katrina, 150 countries offered aid to Hurricane Katrina victims. So it's went from 150 countries uh, to how many? Okay, so we're not only having trouble internally with ourselves. Obviously, the United States is having trouble uh, on the world front. That's proof beyond any, any shadow of a doubt. Clinton, your 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 thoughts on that, buddy? What do you make of 150 countries offering aid after Katrina, but now after Harvey, it's literally crickets. I mean, you can just hear the crickets in the darkness. What what's your thoughts on that? Well, I, I personally think that we're witnessing the um, <laughs> the rest of the world. Uh, uh, not seeing the United States as a beacon of hope, uh, not seeing the United States as the light within a dark world. Um, we used to always be seen like that. Um, you know, you used to be, if you were American, you went overseas or you went to another country, and just by the way that you talked, they could tell you were American and you were treated with respect. You were treated happily. Um, either, you know, whatever the reason was, you were treated that way. Now, a lot of times you don't even want to let anyone know that you're American when you travel overseas um, because you don't know what kind of violence is going to break out. I mean, there, there's a, a warning that just came out um, saying that the European tourist sites that Americans visit the most may be targeted. And uh, there was a travel warning given to Americans to go, you know, not to go to European tourist sites. Uh, and, we we have we we have moved into an isolationist regime, I guess you could say. And and the reason I say that is we used to give aid to everyone around the world. We we did that out of the graces you know, of our hearts um, as Americans to be the light in in the darkness. And we we have changed that philosophy to whoever gives us the best deal. Well no one's going to give us the best deal anymore um, because, well, I think this is a testament to that. In our time of need in, in 2005, you know, 150 countries came to our aid. We had Mexico offer to give aid. And instead of accepting it right away, I think Donald Trump is still sitting on the decision. Mexico, the, the country that is our neighbor, you know, and we can't even yeah. just accept, accept that aid. Well, this is what the state department did. 
uh, it released a statement said it 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 uh, it didn't know if it would accept the aid from Mexico. Um, if the need does arise, we'll work with our partners, including Mexico, to determine the best way forward. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the official statement that they haven't accepted it. But if they do. It will include the other people with Mexico. That's the problem. There's nobody else stepping forward. Now, check this out. This is straight from uh, White House uh, spokesman Thomas Bassert. Uh, He said that the Mexican and Canadian leaders actually called our president, but they didn't discuss how the countries were going to help. Now, you realize what that means, right? I mean, they offered to help. Um, our president said or did some stupid stuff, who knows what. So now that's at a standstill. And my God, what what is our reputation? We just put sanctions on Venezuela, and they're one of the only ones that stepped up to offer us $5 million? But the State Department wasn't clear as to whether we would accept their help or not. Obviously, nobody's going to ask the Texans if they want $5 million from Venezuela. This is the same thing I just talked about, Clinton, in St. Louis, isn't it? Ladies and gentlemen, the people in Texas aren't going to get any help from any country unless it comes through the federal government. You didn't realize that? You didn't know that? Well, that's what, that's what we're trying to say. So this overshadows the simple fact that there was 150 with the last catastrophic hurricane. So, uh, really? Really? Um... Well, I don't, I, I don't know what to make of that. Um, like I said, it's, it's pretty obvious we're not only having internal problems, we're having external problems on a massive scale. Ma- massive scale when nobody's called to offer us help, and on top of that, the Fed's are releasing statements that, ah, you know, we're, well, we haven't accepted it yet, but we might accept it. I wonder if the Texans know that, that that's what the State Department's done. And the Texans are just getting really, they might very well be, as we're speaking, if they do find this out, they all might, um, you know, have a get-together on their rafts and ask, Hey, man, did you know we put sanctions on Venezuela? And by the way, why the heck did we put sanctions on Venezuela? They just offered us $5 million in cash. I mean, we could have spent that $5 million in cash on our water treatment facilities to, to deal with what is the inevitable. And believe me, they know what's inevitable because they can look around at the water that they're floating their rafts on and can tell they're in dire straits. But the people in Texas, you know, we're talking about the majority, you know, over 90% of the people, 
They probably had no idea we just put sanctions on Venezuela. And yet the Venezuelans turn around and offer the Texans help, and the Fed said no. Let's ask Clinton again. If you were a Texan, if you and your wife was a Texan right now, what would your wife What would her what would her attitude be toward the feds right now, knowing that I mean she probably didn't even know there were any justifiable reasons to put sanctions on Venezuela. We did, and now they offered to help your wife and the feds said no. Clinton, how would that go over with her, do you think? Not very well at all. Brian, what about you? How would Tiana react to that? Would that be like a good day in the Ingram household? Nope. Ladies and gentlemen, wake up! You got who you wanted, and the Lord your God's going to shove it down your throat. Ah, yes. Well, we're going to find out here come around about 9-11 anniversary what that other barrel's got planned for us. But like I said, don't expect it to hit the same place. That would be the best-case scenario if this turns into a major hurricane. The best-case scenario would be to hit the exact same spot because the damage is already done. I don't think that's what the Lord's got planned. We'll see, though. We'll see. I mean, I and like I mentioned earlier, what's going on in southern Idaho, they shouldn't be having earthquakes because we are artificially relieving the pressure because somebody inadvertently drilled into that pocket of hot gas and water mixture back in 1934. That should be the last place on earth they're having earthquakes. Don't you understand that? That's why it's called Soda Springs. You didn't you didn't catch that? Here, let me explain it again. What do you think highly pressurized carbon dioxide, gas, and cold water is? Well, duh. That's why it's called Soda Springs. Because they have done this thing and artificially is relieving the tectonic pressure. They should be the last place on planet Earth that's having earthquakes. Let me flip back over to USGS. Let me refresh. Yes. Now they're up to 52 earthquakes over 2.5. So who knows what it would be if I changed it to all magnitudes. But they've had 52 in the past 24 hours around Hot Springs, Idaho, Um that's over 2.5, and they should be the last place on earth that's having it because, like I said, 
they have artificially put a stress relief valve into those hot springs. Anyway. It seems that our influence and our affluence is waning on a global scale, ladies and gentlemen. Now, take note that after Hurricane Katrina, this is what Mexico did. They sent a convoy of soldiers, all-terrain vehicles, uh, uh, drinking water, uh, followed by food, medical workers, and water treatment facilities – and a kitchen uh, that fed 7,000 people daily. That's what the Mexicans did last time. Yeah. No, really. No, 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 I'm serious. I'm, I'm re- And guess what? You Texans, I guess you're not good enough or something. Because the present POTUS, no, nah, nah, we, don't, we don't need nothing from Mexico. He probably looked around the White House and said, I don't see no problems. By the way, man, uh, just off the top of of your head, Clinton, um, is Texas a Republican state or they a Democrat state? Which which way does uh, their electoral college usually vote? Do you know? They're they're definitely a red state. Uh, Definitely vote Republican almost every single time. Really? Good for them. Good. I mean, red, isn't that usually the color used to denote caution or emergency? Well, good for them. I'm happy for them. I I really am. They got exactly what they wanted. I mean, let let me make sure I, I make this clear. In Hurricane Katrina, the most important thing that the government of Mexico did was sent the water treatment facilities, because I've already described to you, you're not going to get no contractors to come down there. It's not worth it. They have to buy all the equipment, buy the virtual hazmat suits for all of the workers to clean up. No, they're not going to do that. Good luck. Yippee-ki-yay. Amen. Well, uh, Clinton, your closing comments, and uh, don't forget to give out your websites. And then, Brian, you jump on here with your closing comments, and don't forget to give out your website. Uh, Let's bring this to a close, shall we? You know, everyone, uh, we're we're getting to a very climactic time. Um, You know, just the stuff that we saw come out today with North Korea, um, that's big. That's real big if they if they actually did that test. Um, so everyone stay safe um, and uh, make sure you're right with the Lord. Uh, make sure that you do what you can. Uh, take care of your family. Um, you know, everyone can uh, follow me on uh, ClintonCoWatch.com. Uh, last name is spelled K-O-W-A-C-H. And you can find me on Twitter with Clinton Co-Watch as well. Um, and all the articles that we talk about on this broadcast are uh, listed on uh, on Twitter. So thank you, everyone, for your support, and may God guide you on your journey. can find me at Over Detention Show on Twitter. 
and overtattentionshow.com. And if you want to email me, it's thebandsoftime at gmail.com. And I would agree, a lot of stuff heating up here. And rather interested to see what Trump's response is going to be to the North Korean thing now. So, oh boy. All right, thanks for joining us. God bless. And uh, my closing thoughts? Um, I hope everybody realizes that a uh, Mark 48 torpedo is really same design as a Tomahawk cruise missile. That's why you can fire the Tomahawk cruise missile out of the torpedo tubes. Anyway, just so you know, when it comes to fracking, if you've never been on a well site or whatever, they drill them, you know, the same casing size. Yeah, so you could take a nuclear-tipped one and, uh, well, let's see. Out here in the Bakken, how deep did they drill?